in your face. I am delighted to have Jacob Thomas in the studio. Happy International Non-Binary People's Day. Yay, happy NB Day. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good to meet you. Now, we were debating whether or not we've met before. <laughs> and we and Look, and my thinking is we have, but I've been in drag, um, which apparently that means that you haven't noticed me, so I'm going to assume my drag looks fine. So there we go. <laughs> a chameleon of all genders. There we go. <laughs> look, the last time I saw a photo of you was last week. Uh, maybe it was early this week. It would have been behind, Monday. You were behind the sewing machine doing great stuff for Rainbow Community Angels. Yes, yes. I uh, have had the absolute privilege to uh, help lead the design of those wings uh, that you see at all those events. So we were doing some nice little fix-ups, which is great. Um, And let's just put it this way. Queers are amazing. We're crafty. It's amazing what you can do with a pool noodle. Let's just put it that way. You have designed those wings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Like, with some phenomenal volunteers, obviously. Like, it wasn't just me. But, um, yeah, like, we did a workshop on a weekend and, like, got a few different designs. We did, like, Project Runway, which was brilliant. Uh, And then we worked out what the best cumulative design approach would be. And so we applied... Basically what we call universal design principles. So we made sure that they were light, uh, they could fit any body, um, they could be adjusted as well. They're uh, low uh, strength basically, so you don't need like strong, strong hands to be able to do things, to like tie them up or anything like that. And they also float when you move, so they actually have natural buoyance. So the wings move. This sounds so similar to what drag stars have said to me about how they did their costumes yeah. at like, you know, things like uh Pokies in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yes. Wow. So the so let's just recap a little bit. Rainbow Community Angels are going to drag storytime events, supporting the drag artists and the staff, mm-hmm. you know, in the face of all these protests. Yeah. Well, we, let's not call them protests. Like, you know, like protests are good. We need protests. These are you know, a bunch of individuals who, frankly, just hate the queers. And so, you know, let's not legitimise them calling it a protest. But yes, our whole point is to, you know, safeguard community especially kids who, let's be real, are there to listen to a book being read and that's it. Something completely you know, uh, innocuous. Something wonderful about literacy and that's it. Absolutely. Now you also, I mean, have you done drag story time yourself? I have. It's been really, really fun. And it's just, I, so uh, you can probably tell by the, the inflections in my voice, I'm an artist. And so... <laughs> You don't say, Jacob, what, 23 years. But one of the, and I'm also an academic, so I sort of sit in the in the nice little overlay, if you will, of psychology and then joy in art. Um, and, you know, when you do, like, you can do drag for adults and, you know, you, you know it's going to be done in a very particular way. Um, it's not always right for kids. But drag story time for children is a wonderful, wonderful, wholesome moment to be a part of because it's the joy of play. Like, we lose that when we become adults. It gets kicked out of us. And to see these young people just creating and having a great time, you know, building their literacy skills, uh, you know, sitting in their creativity, what a wonderful thing to be able to give back to community. Like, it is just joyous and wonderful and pure. And the parents love it, the guardians love it, the families love it. Uh, you know, I've worked with a couple of other drag artists and we usually, like, you know, do a big dance at the end. You know, everyone gets to wear a wig if they wish to. They don't have to. Um, and we just have fun. Fun, pure, unbridled joy. 
And imagine how healthy it would be for those people who are disrupting mm. if they were actually part of the fun and the constructiveness and just actually watched it and absorbed it and went through that kind of emotional journey and connection. Yeah. Imagine how much healthier they'd be. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, they, they don't want to. So, so, so is that, you know, people have to be willing to change to want to change. But it is just, again, going back to that really you know, key point that I raised is just, it's just fun. That's it. You know, why would you not want that at the end of the day? I love it. It's the reason I do drag, you know, is you get to put on a face, wear whatever you want. Um, I'm usually in a gigantic dress because fine anyway because why not <laughs> flounce about get it and you just get to play yeah because you become an adult you you know go and you go and study you go and get a job and then you're stuck under capitalism and that's exhausting and then everyone's tired and scared of everything and it's just like oh my god imagine being able to be fun and just feel relaxed and connected to others how wonderful to meet strangers who you then get to like hang out with maybe or ignore entirely you know it's just it's almost like it's community building like ah oh, what a shocking you know enterprise that we're undertaking with that drag is fun tell us about the angels training what would you like to know? Well, like, you know, like I, I just found it fantastic that angels were having training. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cute as well. But what does it involve? I mean, you know, let's not, oh, can't give all of our cards away. But, uh, you know, it's uh, guided by the basic principles of, you know, mental well-being, of course, absolutely cornerstone, uh, knowing how to look after yourself in one of those situations. Because it's a very brave choice to physically put yourself between what can be incredibly violent people who are there to purposely with intent cause harm and disrupt you and a very vulnerable population being children and to stand in the middle. You know, that takes a lot of mental preparation, a lot of physical preparation, a lot of checking in with yourself and that, and it's so well facilitated, so well thought out. Uh, the people who have created the angels program and who like the number of different groups that have all come together to facilitate and build this is just, this is what community does. This is what we do exceptionally well. I couldn't do that in a classroom. I'd make it too academic. <laughs> I can tell you that much. I'd just be like, mm, but what might the theorists of mm, say about, mm, and, you know, citation? But it is just, it is thorough. It is so well thought out and there's continuous training. There's always chances to... You know, adapt and to reaffirm what you know and what you need to know and to check in, check out. It's just so well thought out. And there must be a lot of emphasis on connecting between the angels so that you can kind of, you know, be a whole and kind of, you know, rise up with that uplifting energy because that's important. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it literally is an angelorum, right? It is, it, is the, it is the collective of angels. And, you know, it, I think it speaks to what we see in so much social justice work and so much... Uh, around, you know, the core point of community response, you can't do things by yourself. You know, I, I worked that out very quickly personally when I was an activist. Um, I still am an activist. Um, I'm an activist academic because, you know, that pays you, uh, which is fun. I love money. But <laughs> how good's eating? Num num. But on the serious point, it is, you know, there is strength in numbers, right? You know, and I, I think it has really helped a lot of people who have felt not I don't want to say powerless because I don't think that's exactly true or helpful but people who have said I don't know what I can do this is incredibly upsetting to me 
I, you know, it, if one of us is attacked, all of us are attacked. What can I do? And I think that's where the angels come into a really useful space for people because if you can't or you don't want to be physically there in between the stoush, you can work with people like me and help design and sew. And we had wonderful support on Monday being able to do that. You have people who are you know, able to just like drop in and say, oh, I'll wash the wings or, you know, do you need a snack? You're like, you know, it's just everyone has a place that they can play in that and not everyone has to be at the front. And again, that is just giving people the opportunity to find themselves wherever they want to be in this big fight. As an angel, when you're looking at these disruptors, do you see a moment in their eyes where they're kind of going, oh, hang on a second? Do you ever see that? Like, is it disarming? I, so I'll be very frank. Personally, I haven't chosen to be an angel myself. Um, I, I'm not cut out for that, which is why I do the designs. But yeah, I, I can say in all comfort, <laughs> which is an interesting word to choose, but um, in my work in the international space that I've done, like, yeah, like when it's interesting is like when you confront people head on, and they can't, and they're not getting the response that you want. I know it sounds like very like here's the bullying chat in like primary school, right? But there is some good science to it. Is this if you don't react to it, if you don't respond to it, it, they can be quite disarmed by it. They can be quite confused. It's kind of like so as a queer person, it's like if someone you know calls me a drive by f word, right? Um, you know, with three letters and. <laughs> That one, you know, the bundle of sticks where, and please look into that history because, oh, it's dark, is, you know, I like every time it's just so like, ugh, ugh, I feel gross about it, ugh, whatever. But there was something really interesting that I chose to do and I want to make it very clear because it's radio and you can't see me, but I'm like, you know, 6'2", built like a brick shit house, <laughs> you know, very white, very privileged. So I, I can, some people think I, I'm a dude, which is very cute. Anyway, and so I'll lean into it, <laughs> but... Yeah, it's interesting when people want to just like walk by you. I found this during lockdowns uh, when, you know, there was no one in the city <laughs> that, um, and certain people just thought, oh, let me take this over. And people would walk by me and just say faggot. <laughs> and I just feel, and previously I'd just be like, oh, it just hurts. It sucks. But instead I would turn around and just be like, and what, mate? And what about it? What are you going to do about it? And how do they react? Scared. Run. That's it. <laughs> and so and so it is interesting. Like, you know, if you feel comfortable and able to do so, you stand up for yourself. But it is – but when you have a group of people able to do that, whether you stand up to it or not, you then also have aftercare, right? And, you know, being – and this is like allyship, right? Allyship is you're there in the tough moments to support. You're there in the good moments to celebrate. And you're there in the banal moments to just be. That's it, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we can't – we're not always – not everyone wins, all the time, right? And that's the unfortunate reality of it. But coming back to the whole crux of the angels is to stand up for what's right, protect kids, do good queer shit <laughs> and have a good time and stand up in the face of hate because if we don't do it, then no one else is going to. What a great role for you, though, designing and making those wings because they're pretty empowering for the angels. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's almost like standing up to, like, a bear, allegedly. You know, it says you make yourself big. You know, that's kind of it. Not the lead, though. They're lovely. But it's just <laughs> community. But it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Hello, Dean. Anyway, but it is, you know, trying to um, – they have a symbolic presence and then there's also the physicality of them, right? Because they sound big. 
Like they're, they're, they're a bit cumbersome, but you know, they're, they're well designed them, and people are wearing them for hours. And like to the people who are wearing them, like, thank you so much. <laughs> if they need improving, please let me know. But just, you know, it's, um, they need improvements and we'll work on that. But it is, um, you know, we take up space. Like queers will not be shrunk at all. We're not doing that. We're, we're done with that. We've been done with that for decades. We're not doing that anymore. You know, we need to, we have, a, we have a choice, a responsibility, if we can, as queer adults to show queer kids, to show any kid, queer or otherwise, that queers are wonderful and they deserve respect and we deserve to be here because we just do. We have always existed. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. And what a gentle, kind, supportive way to stand up for yourself and to say, isn't it great to just be alive? Isn't it great to be a human? Look at how colourful and beautiful we all are. We were all created perfectly. We don't need to be improved. How wonderful, how great. What a joy to be able to give that. Speaking of joy, today's International Non-Binary People's Day. As a non-binary person, how important is this day to be recognised and celebrated? Um, oh, mate, yeah, very. <laughs> very, I'd say. It's in, uh, look, let's talk about the bad stuff first. Let's get that out of the way. I think, you know, for me as a non-binary person, it's important to constantly bring back the attention that is required for non-binary folks. You know, the ways in which we are missed in legislation, the ways that we're missed in anti-vilification, the ways that we're missed in um, healthcare access, the way that we're missed in education, in rights, in being able to affirm ourselves legally, medically, socially, and otherwise. Um, Right to safety, right to joy, right to justice. Um, It's an incredibly important day to be able to highlight. And if anyone's just like, oh, there's too many days... Shush. You know, I don't care. (laughs) An opinion's like a butthole. Everyone's got one, allegedly. But, you know, it's just, (laughs) it's kind of it. But it is, uh, but the good thing about International Non-Binary People's Day is just the binary busting that goes on. It's just wonderful. It's easy. Someone gave me flowers this morning and I was like, correct. (laughs) I love this. I expect gifts every year. That's That's beautiful. It is. And and they're in the colours of the non-binary flag, which was really, really cute. So they were plastic because I don't think black flowers are available. But it's. I might be wrong. I'm not an expert, as you can tell. (laughs) But there we go. I'm pretty, though, and that's what matters. But it is, um, you know, just you know, people, populations and communities, we kind of all get a bit swept up in Pride Month and we get a little bit swept up in Mardi Gras and Midsummer and those are all very important periods of time. Do not get me wrong. Love But it. everyone needs their day. And everyone deserves a day. That's right. Exactly. And it's just a nice to sort of say, we're just going to put a bit more focus on this day. That's it. Um, and also, I think it's the power of and, right? Because... When we try and navigate through the big, beautiful myriad of everyone in the world, there's only like 8 billion of us, whatever, you know, just you get that done today. But it is trying to recognise that there are certain needs that are going to arise throughout a person's life, throughout populations, um, and you just get a chance to just do a bit of specificity, a bit of focus in a kind way that says not to disregard everything else. We're not saying but ignore everything else and now focus over here. We're saying focus on everyone there and also we need some focus too. The power of and. On the drag front, what is happening for you? Are you having a hiatus? Are you planning something? Or are you just caught up in activism? I mean, you're always go, 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 doing so much. Yes, I am. Uh, Thank you so much. I am incredibly tired. But (laughs) tired and 
queer. Uh, for me, I uh, trying to get trying to get more gigs. It's interesting. It's I think things are drying up a little bit, and I'm definitely not really, the, really. I'm so definitely not the only one who's experiencing that at the moment. It's a very interesting time trying to get booked. So this is even queer venues going slow on drag. I tend not to. So I, for me, I'm in the very privileged position where I've got a full time job. I'm secured. I've got tenure. So I don't want to take that space up for other people who really need that space and want that space for their careers. I don't want to take that but up. But they're saying the opportunities are shriveling. Yeah, for a lot of us. Not everyone. Like a lot of people are thankfully blessed and booked and highly favoured. But what's that about? I think that there's understandably a lot of hesitation around can we keep you safe? Can we keep the venue safe? What's going on with that? Uh, like I had several gigs booked up um, or planned probably for last week and this week and they all just went and just disappeared and they all went, sorry, we can't go ahead. And that's it. And, like, as an artist, as a person, if you can't go ahead, just tell me why, and that's okay, and I'll reassure you because I probably understand why it is. Um, If you're scared, if you're worried, that's totally fine. We'll get the angels. You know, we're available. We're here to help. Um, But if it is – and I don't hold a grudge against anyone who's wanting to keep their staff safe, keep their venue safe, um, keep themselves safe. Uh, But if the more we back down – the more those very horrible people win because it validates them. That's what they want. Yeah, now's the time to be doubling down. Get more queer stuff happening. Book your queens. Pay us. It would be great. Pay your drag kings, please. Like, just all the artists. Bring us in. You know, I just want... I want to be absolutely, utterly suffocated in drag. That's what I want. Especially July is always an interesting one because it's like, oh, Pride Month is over and it's just so like, mm, every day can be Pride. It's fine. Just do just do queer stuff, please. <laughs> but you're finding that, like, you know, venues do a lot of drag are doing less drag now. So it's not like, you know, venues that don't normally do it. You're saying the, the drag venues are kind of going a bit slow. Oh, no, the drag venues are all doing, like, the best that they can, I think. Like, I'm not here to besmirch anyone by No, any no, no. I'm but, just, but I just I think, want to know the landscape. But I think it is. Again, I don't work at those venues, so I really can't comment on that. But I will say that a lot of venues that aren't necessarily, like, drag-focused, quote-unquote, or queer venues um, that do typically have more content going on probably are doing a little bit less or they're less public about it. Um, like, you know, there, I was at an event the other night and it was – fun and great and silly and goofy and had drag and it was small and that was it and like you know that's fine it's all good um but you know we need to support artists we need to support drag as much as we can you know and just make it just make more things happen please because the people causing the nuisance they're a very small number of people i mean most people love drag yeah yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, and it says Drag Race only comes out like five times a week. You know, there's two whole days. You know, you've got to fill those in. But <laughs> that's what it is. But I do think it's just, you know, even if you're like, I'm even finding like bachelorettes are drying up. I'm finding that like, you know, community gigs are drying up. I'm finding that there's just less and less want and maybe it's just me and that's totally cool I don't know I haven't really looked into it that thoroughly I'll be so frank about it but there is a part of me that is maybe uh, just maybe putting a lens on it that sort of goes oh I think maybe it's going to get worse 
And I think that's where my hesitation lies. Like, we need to double down. We need to do more aggressively <laughs> drag queer stuff as much as possible. Like, and if you're out there, like, talk to your local venue. Like, I'll come and sit in a cafe. I have a great time with that. I used to be a pastry chef. I'm happy to just come around, come along and spin sugar. What do you want? You know, it's just, <laughs> it's fine. I have the opportunity where I get to teach and drag, which is great. Like, do I, you really? Yeah. Like, when I get the opportunity, I teach, like, my really? university students in full drag. If wow. Baby, if you're going to queer that classroom, we are going to queer it up let's go that's it and i mean wow so i mean the impact that must be electric in the classroom it is terrifying for a lot of them <laughs> it's oh, absolutely they love it come on but they do i think and you know it's just you know, drag's not new it's never been new you know we've been around for such a long time like we would not have our rights without drag queens many of whom again to reiterate trans women of color <laughs> You know, it's just, and this is the thing. If I'm not getting booked, that's fine by me. I'm okay if I'm not getting booked. But I really hope that we are prioritising people in community who are phenomenal drag artists, who are brilliant artists in general and people who do sit on the margins in our community more than someone like myself and that they get booked. That's what I want to see. I also don't care if you're not great. I don't care if you can't do a flip. Entertain. That's it. And some of those people are brilliant. And they're wild and they're nuts and they're great. And that's what I want to see. Jacob Thomas, it has been a joy to meet you here at 3CR. Thank you so much for popping in and happy International Non-Binary People's Day. Thank you so much for having me and a happy binary busted to all.
something that you know and I'm compelled you know to write about it other times they're just pure fantasy
electrify me. I am delighted to have Stuart Reeve in the studio to chat about his show, Chameleon. Welcome to 3CR. Thank you for having me on. This is so exciting to be here. We are just talking about how there's benevolent spirits in this building and ghosts <laughs> and all of that. Hey, tell us about Chameleon. Uh, Chameleon is a show that I put together um, during that time when we were all locked away for, uh, you know, <laughs> a few months. Uh, and I had all these voices and these sounds that were just sort of floating around in my head. And I, uh, you know, at this stage, I, I was starting to sort of piece them together into a show. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we came out of that and, and I took it to Adelaide Fringe. Um, and I've been touring it around um, Victoria for the last sort of uh, couple of months. Um, and I'm just about to head over into Gasworks uh, in two weeks time to do a, a season over there so I'm super excited to, to to get it back out there and to um you know start putting these these voices and these sounds and these songs and everything to the the memories that I have growing up and sort of finding my journey and my my path as a as a performer as wow a, yeah so it's a one-man show one man show yeah, yeah. high energy high energy and high energy <laughs> emotional narrative in there as well <laughs> yeah look it, it it doesn't get it doesn't get overly heavy but it's it's um you know it it just touches on sort of, you know, I wanted to do, I didn't want to do an impression show. That's That wasn't the intention with this. You know, my um, singing teacher has always said to me, you know, like, you have a fantastic voice and you're so good at not being you, which to me was such a great compliment in a way, backhand a compliment if you want to call it that. But, you know, I I, I, I took that and I sort of ran with it. And, you know, I've, I I wanted to do something different with with these voices and these sounds. So I've attached them to, you know, the, the stories of me growing up, you know, finding, discovering the dress-up basket as a kid and, you know, with my best friends on the weekend and how that, you know, attached to to, to Rocky Horror, you know, the, the, the show that we used to watch as like seven-year-olds you know, like on VHS over and over again, uh, and just some of the stories that are connected with with all of that. And yeah, it's it's a there's so many so many bits in there that I've just had to go through and, and pick the best bits and, and put it together. Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. What a great line! You're great at not being you, and that's kind of you know just served you that name, chameleon, for yeah. the show. Yeah, it it has because I. You know, the, the, my voice has, has always taken on the character or the sound. It's nothing that I've that I've tried to do deliberately. Uh, you know, I've and, and part of the the show is me trying to find my voice, my my own voice, because every time I sing or, or or do something, it always seems to be in somebody else's voice. So this show is about discovering that, but but also I think it's also about just accepting. That, that that this is this is who I am as a performer and and this and this is just what I do. I sort of think of my voice as a, a guitar pedal, and every time I hit that pedal, it changes into something different. And and that's mainly through through music. I I, I find that sometimes difficult to do just as character voices, but it's it's usually uh, you know through through the power of song that it comes out. <laughs> but has there been a moment when you're performing when you go, oh my god, that is my voice? Sometimes I think. I think listening back to something that's been recorded, you know, early on that was the most difficult thing for me to do was listen to my voice back on something and thinking, oh, oh my God, that is that any good? Is that terrible? Um, so now I've sort of just accepted that and, you know, and I, I don't know, I... I, I it's 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 been a strange it's been a strange ride discovering it all again. <laughs> so you're a great interpreter of other people's voices. Yeah, I think I've always been fascinated by certain things in people's voices, um, certain sounds. 
Um, I, I don't know what it is about that fully, but yeah, I've always had this fascination with, with, with just how it's created. You know, it, it, it's such an, the voice is such a, you know, a interesting instrument. Um, and for me to be able to sort of mold it in a way to create sounds that sound like other people, I think is a really interesting thing to play around with. (laughs) You must have a great range. Yeah. I mean, it goes, it goes up and down, you know. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I, I, I do. It's, you know, it's, it's like going back out on tour. It's like lifting a muscle. You've, you've really got to, you know, you've got to lift that that weight up and down to get the the voice back up to where it needs to be. And I think, you know, early on in the tour, it can, you know, the ranges can be a little bit limited. But certainly by the time I get right into it, 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 it does tend to to stretch right out. But yeah, it goes all over the place. <laughs> Whose voice feels great to sing in Chameleon? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, whose voice sings really great to sing? You know, I'm I'm all about mood. I'm all about, you know, some nights I'll be singing a song and I think, oh, that just doesn't sort of resonate with me right now. But, I, you know, I still have to obviously perform it. And there'll be other nights where I'll be really into it and it'll have a really nice feel. Sometimes I, I, I've been really working on... Um, Annie Lennox a lot lately and it I think sometimes when I when I'm really in the zone in that one it that one feels really good it sits in a really nice place and you know I can play around with it um but then just sometimes it could just be like character voices you know like some Avenue Q characters in there that just sit really nice and you know they're fun but I, I am very much a mood person so I always find questions like that really difficult to answer because it's just you know how I feel in that moment it depends on how well it comes out and yeah It must be great, though, when you discover that you can deliver someone else's voice or at least a great interpretation Mm, of their voice. mm. Yeah, I I think I discovered that really early on. In the show I talk about, you know, my mum has a a CD collection that I used to listen to all the time and it had some, you know, it had like Simply Red and, uh, you know, Pet Shop Boys and and Robbie Williams and all of these artists that I just seem to have on repeat all the time. And, And I think I just love the you know, how expressive singing could be. Uh, and, you know, I used to just listen to these artists on on repeat, you know, just find a song that you love and just keep keep listening to it. And I think maybe that just had some impact early on, just having that on repeat. And then, you know, my, my voice seemed to shape those, those sounds and, and it just started to come out that way. So, yeah. It, I... <laughs> What a treat, though, for your punters going along to Gasworks, because you've been, you've been, you know, you've been trailblazing on this show for a while, taking it to various places. Mm, um, mm. You've been finessing it. You've been, you mm-hmm. know, basically in the groove for a while now. It must be pretty electric. Yeah, I, I had um, I had someone come to the show uh, when we were out in Potato Shed, um, when we were out in Potato Shed, me and all the voices in my head were out in Potato Shed, um, and they made a really interesting comment, which was like, you know, I mentioned that the, some elements in the show had changed since the first version that I'm constantly tweaking it. And they said, well, I guess, you know, being the title Chameleon, it, it adapts and changes to its environment. And I was like, oh, my God, that's such a great, <laughs> that's such a great line. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really I, I think about it like that because I'd been so consumed with how things sounded and and how things were looking. So the show has been changing constantly over the last sort of couple of months. Um, You know, I'll be tweaking it or I'll be changing a song out of it or I'll be changing, you know, those images that go along with the the um, the stories or the or the voices that I'm doing. So that's been tweaked as we went along. Yeah. 
What's it like having all of those voices in your head? Do you ever feel like you're going mad? Uh, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes, sometimes. Um, I think I, I, I feel like I'm going mad when I am working on a particular voice and that voice is just there and I keep going back to it and I go over and over and over and over. Um, I think that's when I start to feel a little bit crazy. I, I think one of the voices that really got me early on was I I got asked to do a Donald Trump voice out of all voices and and that really bugged me for a long time because I couldn't nail it and then one day I was just in the shower and it just sort of came to me <laughs> and, and I don't know that that seems to happen with a lot of the voices they just they just sort of fall into place eventually uh, and sometimes that can just be with you know with from not thinking about it after you know a, a couple of days it just sort of instantly all sort of starts to happen it's yeah it's a really strange process so he was that voice that was like how do they do that <laughs> donald well, trump well just the placement of it i think i couldn't i couldn't nail um what about singers though what singers are like really hard to nail singers that are really hard to nail um ooh. I'm trying to think of one that I that I've that I've had sort of sitting around for doesn't, a while. It doesn't sound like any of them well, are hard for you to know. Uh, well, I I don't know. I think I think it's you know I've there, there would be a couple there that I, that I just can't think of right away. But you know there'll be some that I'll sort of try and then I'll sort of put them on the back burner and then they'll bring them back a little bit and see if it works. And then yeah, sometimes I I think I really have to sort of connect with the sound and the energy of, of the song or the performer and, uh, you know, and then it starts to work. But they, they'll def- there's definitely a few of them out there that just, that it would be, <laughs> I think I think it's talking voice is harder than singing voice f- for me, I think, with, yeah. Yeah, I mean, through. in terms of singing voices, who's been surprisingly easy? Has, has there been one where you thought that's going to be hard and then you're like, well, actually, whoa, it's easy. Uh, I think the easy ones are the ones that I've grown up with. So, you know, one of the ones that gets thrown around a lot is Robbie Williams. That's that's one because it's been with me since like, you know, <laughs> early 90s. You know, then it would be like Simply Red or like the Pet Shop Boys. Um, you know, one that I that I sort of keep, I keep pushing away from, but I really enjoy sometimes is Phil Collins. Like... My my thing is trying to stay away from all the cliche ones that you know that seem to get that just seem to be out there all the time, um, but some of those ones I do enjoy. But then there'll be like you know Tones and I, which I've which I've tried to polish over time, and then you know Annie Lennox is in there as well. Um, you know Macy Gray is there. There's a, there's a whole heap of them, um, but I think it's the the ones that I've grown up with would have to be the easiest ones that, that come to me. What about the voice where you're like, I really want that voice. I wish it was mine. <laughs> I think the voice that I, I really want, um, again, it changes. I think um, Mick Hucknell from Simply Red, I, I think just has at the moment in my head this crazy range and goes into places where I'm like, oh, how is he doing some of those notes? So he's in your head a lot at the moment. He's in he's in my head a lot at the moment. Um, I've been trying to nail a couple of um, other Phil Collins songs. There's there's some songs that I can I can get right in in the voices and then there's other voices, then there's other songs in those voices that I'm just like, I don't even know where that goes to because the shape of my mouth changes and the placement changes and sometimes though there's particular notes in particular songs 
that are really hard to 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 get to. So I have to choose the songs wisely from the artists that I'm that I'm uh, I'm doing. I can't do all of their songs, um, but yeah, I've often gone. I've often thought about that. I think at the moment it, w- it would be yeah, McCucknell. McHuck- yeah, his his voice goes to crazy places, and it's and it's so nice. <laughs> How do you feel at the end of the show? I mean, that is that's full on. I know it's it's an hour of of just being on. I think that's the biggest one hundred and twenty percent. One hundred and twenty percent. I think that's the hardest thing with performing um, that a lot of people don't get. You know, we sort of sit around all day. You know, we might have a side hustle. You will, you know, you you'll sort of reserve your energy right up until you're on, and then you sort of burn it all in that hour. You know, and. And by the end of this, by the end of the show, um, I've, I feel exhausted. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's been a bit of a vocal workout because the voice is going up and down and moving left and right into places that it doesn't normally do on a daily basis. Um, and then, of course, just mentally trying to remember all of the, you know, where where all of the the things go in the, in the show, and then connecting with the audience. And so it, it's a it's a really intense hour, and to come down from that afterwards is. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> I just want to go and, and hide for a little bit. You know, I, I love sitting in a really quiet room, you know, no TV, no noise. Like just driving back from somewhere with, with nothing happening is, is ideal straight after a show because it's just nice to be in that quiet space for a, a little bit of time. Well, you've got three days of it coming up, July 27 to 29. That's three really <laughs> intense yes. days. Um, I reckon, though, by day three, you're going to be in the rhythm and it's going to be kind of hard to let go of it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, that's the that's the the thing about this is that you know when you when you start to run a show and you start to find bits in a show that work really well, or you rethink a section that you know it gets a different reaction, or you start to play around with the audience a bit more, you know, it's it's yeah, it probably is by day three that you start to find the groove, and then you know for this this run that's going to be the the final show. Um, yeah, look, it's 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 gonna. I'm looking forward to being at Gasworks. It's gonna be a really great space to be in. Yeah, is there gonna be another run? Uh, I've just saw an email come in today about that uh, and discussions for 2024. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm we're, we're sort of in talks about you know where it would go, and then you know who knows. I mean, last year we were in Edinburgh with a different different show, and that was fantastic. Uh, we did New Zealand as well, so. Possibly it could be could be touring, you know, around Australia and internationally. Watch this space. What else is in the pipeline for you? I mean, look, we're we're heading into spring soon, then summer. I can't imagine you doing nothing musically. <laughs> uh, I was going to say a holiday is going to be is going to be my my answer. Um, you know, the 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 magical thing about showbiz is that you just think, oh, that's done, and you put that down, and you think, oh my god, there's going to be no work for you know the next six months, and then the phone will ring, and then you'll be doing something you know crazy. I mean. I was, you know, a couple of months ago, I was up at um, Brunswick Heads at the Brunswick Picture House, you know, being part of a cheeky cabaret up there doing songs and, you know, so, and that was, that was totally unplanned. So I'm sure there'll be other things like that that will just randomly come along and I'll, I'll, um, I'll slip into them, but I don't know at this stage. You must be writing another show though. Come on. There must be something in that oh back pocket, Stuart. <laughs> the... It's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, you know, I've, I, 
you know, all through lockdown, I, I mean, I have a pile of drafts at home that's like a, you know, a ream of paper. Um, and, you know, it, it took, it took, because I'm not, I'm not naturally a writer. I'm more of a, you know, I pick up a script or pick up lyrics and sing or, you know, and, and sort of stand there and do that. That's what, that's what I normally do. So this was a really interesting process for me to go around, around in circles, um, editing, going back through stories. Yeah. So, I, I think I'll let this sort of breathe for a little bit and then, you know, whatever comes afterwards, I think it'll just be a natural process when I when I start to put something else together. But I think for now, um, I, I think it's I finally, you know, the show is in a good place and it'll be great to just sort of tour and get it out there and, and yeah, and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a treat for your audience's chameleon at Gasworks in Albert Park, July 27 to 29. Stuart Reeve, it's been awesome meeting you at 3CR. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me on. And we'll be back next week on In Your Face. Taking us out are the Bag Raiders.
In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook.